Hey everybody, welcome for, well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Brett Snodgrass and Brian Snyder with Simple Wholesaling, and they flew in from Indianapolis to talk about how Brett was able to transition away out of the organization while the team still does 300 deals per year. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Uh, we do have our workshop come up, coming up next week. If you guys want to see if you qualify, please go to disruptors.com slash workshop. And if you get value out of the show today, please tag a friend below, comment, share this episode, whatever you can do to help. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Brett and Brian to answer. You ready? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right. So first question is, I'll start with Brett, is what got you into real estate? Yeah, well, thanks for having us on the show, Steve. Appreciate Absolutely. being here. First time to Phoenix. So, really? uh, yeah. Yeah, I love it out here. It's warm. It's like 90 today. So, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. But uh, I pretty much just start back in my journey. I grew up in Indiana. Uh, my dad was a teacher, he was a high school basketball coach. My mom was a early childhood teacher as well. So, we didn't come from money, no entrepreneurs in the family. Uh, but I always kind of had that knack. I guess I always like to uh, count money. I had my piggy bank out, I count my little pennies and quarters. And, uh, and I would remember even in middle school, I would sell candy at school. Mm. So I'd always had this entrepreneurial thing going on um, and just kind of lead me up. I went to college. I played basketball in college, which I know you're a baller. You're talking about Not that. Not college <laughs> level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was kind of my life. I graduated college with an elementary education degree because my parents were teachers mm -hmm. and um, I didn't know what else to do. So, But I always kind of had this, this entrepreneurial mind. So I started reading some books, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Uh, just some of these books started to come to life and uh, realized that a lot of millionaires became wealthy through real estate. Uh, so I was online one night and I found this house for sale in Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio for $9,000. And this was 2007. And I was like, man, you can't buy a house for $9,000. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did. And my dad, he had about 5,000. I had about 5,000. And we ended up buying that house and we sold it for 15,000, made 16 or made $6,000. And that was the first deal. And uh, after that, I just said, you know what, if I can do this with one deal, could I do it with a thousand deals? And mm -hmm. then uh, 13 years later, I think we've done 3,000 plus deals. It's yeah. a pretty awesome ride. And I met Brian three years ago. Well, our, we were a family friends, not family, we were, our wives were friends. And we used to just kind of hang out a little bit. And he was a teacher too, yep. so I really like teachers. And uh, he kind of joined the team three years ago. And then this year, he now runs the company, runs the show, and, and I've stepped out more. And it's been an amazing journey, Steve. I appreciate you just asking. It's awesome. Yeah. So before we get any further, so you did your first deal in Ohio, not back home. <laughs> right. You bought it on eBay, right? Yeah, <laughs> I bought it on eBay. That's when eBay was cool. So you bought a house on eBay as your first deal. Yeah. Interesting. And then did you continue to do eBay, continue doing Youngstown, or when did you transition to home? Yeah, well, I just honestly, I was looking through eBay and I didn't even know eBay sold houses, real estate. Yeah. I thought eBay sold, you know, to kids' toys. I don't know. And, mm -hmm. uh, but they did. They sold real estate and I found these cheap houses and I would really just find the cheapest houses. And a lot of them were in 
Youngstown, Ohio or Ohio locations. Uh, and I did that for a while and I would buy in those locations, but then I realized, you know what, could I do this close to home? Mm -hmm. And I started figuring out Indianapolis was an amazing market and I could do it close to home. And that's when we kind of pulled out of Ohio and started doing Indianapolis in our backyard. Uh, and then now we strictly do Indianapolis, yeah. Indiana. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So how about you? How did you get into real estate? Yeah, I got into real estate basically through Brett. Um, I was a, graduated to become a teacher. I was a teacher for 14 years. Um, and really, I was supposed to become a principal. And really? once I started doing stuff to become a principal, principal I realized, Snyder. yeah, I realized I did not want to be a principal. Like, it's not, <laughs> He's gonna not have a big paddle. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I realized, like, hey, they, if you are become a principal, like, it's basically any decision you make, like, half the people are going to like it, half the people are not. And that is mm. not my personality at all. Did not really? like that part of it and realized I didn't want to become a principal and wanted to do something else. And really I, he and I, like we knew each other. The funny thing is like our group of friends, there's about, there's about eight to 10 of us that were pretty close friends, five couples. We always hung out and the kind of the funny joke was like, nobody knew what Brett did. It was like, oh, he <laughs> really? does, he does something in real estate. He flips houses or, you know, he's on he, one of the HGTV people or, you know, something like that. And we never really knew what it was. And so Brett and I went out for breakfast one morning and I kind of told him like, hey, I'm going to teach for one more year, and you know, then then I'm done. I got to find something else to do, basically within this year. And he said, well, I just we just let go of somebody that's doing our marketing, and you know, we might be coming out with an education course. Would you be interested in in doing that? So I was like, yeah, let's 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 do it. And it was really just kind of on a whim and took a job like like the next day. We were like, okay, <laughs> we had kind of had a conversation like, are we serious about this? And end up taking a job with him and really from there I didn't know what wholesaling was at the time or anything like that but is that a good way to hire someone <laughs> Steger in sales is that yeah. a good way hey just have breakfast hire your friend who has no idea what you do yeah um, <laughs> generally no <laughs> but and even hiring friends I think in general is also probably not a very good idea yeah but if you really know each other really well and you know that he'll fit we'll still have him take the profile yeah, right yeah, so right, i don't yeah. take the pi but <laughs> i don't think you took a pi did you no. I didn't we, and we were really that. like we were like we kind of knew of each other but not really we weren't really that close yeah. or anything so yeah. but it's, it's, it's worked out yeah so. it's worked out this time and but there's other times it hasn't worked so right yeah absolutely so what what was it that you saw in brian where it's like okay he'll be a good fit for this role uh i just I think that uh, he was a hard worker. Seemed like he re worked really, really hard. I knew he uh, was in teaching and I was a teacher, so I kind of knew that, but he was also kind of led different associations he would talk about with his organizations and uh, he kind of the teaching, I don't even know what you call them, but some of the, the teaching organizations. Yeah, I've done, I mean, I've always been a leader in whatever I've done, like, you know, fraternity president and, you know, captain in any sport. And, yeah. you know, it was like I was a coach when I was teaching and stuff like that. And, and you know, even coached to coach other teachers and things. So I always gravitated towards leadership. And we've, we've talked a lot about that stuff and just what yeah. leadership means and kind of, you know, an entrepreneurship of what that means to be a leader and, and things mm -hmm. too. So, yeah. So you were naturally a leader. Did you take anything to become a leader? Like, did you take any courses? Were there any books that jumped out? Or are you just naturally driven to be a leader? Um, so a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think I've just naturally been, you know, drawn to that. And I've kind of just always gravitated towards that. Mm -hmm. I've never been one to kind of be quiet in a room, but not yeah. in a negative way, I kind of, I think. But also just like as I've, you know, worked through my master's and stuff, I took a lot of, you know, leadership classes to become a principal and kind of coaching stuff as, as well to, you know, become a better coach and, and all that things too. So there's been some master's in education. 
I technically no. Um, uh, I've done everything I need to. I just naturally never went to do it because I ended up like not realizing I wanted to become a principal. So got it. I kind of did everything to to get a master's, but never actually finished it. Could but, you could you have stayed a teacher if you didn't want to be a principal, or you just knew that you, 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 I, it was ready for me to do something else? I had kind of I, I did it long enough that I was ready for something else. Got so, it. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and to be. Quite honest, I didn't know. Uh, I was just, I had a job to fill and he filled <laughs> That it. was your hiring method. Like, then it was basically like, oh, I need, a, you, have, you need a job? I have somebody that, yeah. And so. I didn't know if he was a good leader. I mean, he really started off, we were going to be putting out an education course mm-hmm. and I knew he was an educator. So I was like, oh, this is a good fit. Mm-hmm. And and we kind of pulled the reins on that after just a few months. But now he, he showed leadership once he came into the business and kept showing leadership again and again. And that's when he became, you know, moving up the ranks. Gotcha. So. And you know something I said before, not often, is that I actually wanted to be a teacher. Oh, yeah, right? I didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> but I saw how much teachers made. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how that's how he really got me. I said, well, if you can match my teacher's salary, and that's I know. basically and nothing. So he's like, oh, I can do that. And I was like, in the real estate, and he was like, well, yeah, I make this, and I was like, Ew, okay, <laughs> done. I think you still tried to lowball me a little I did. bit. <laughs> so this is about three years ago. Mm-hmm. You've been doing it for thirteen years. So yeah. you had this ride up until you connected with Brian. Yeah. So let's talk about what that ride was like. You know, um, you were buying eBay and then you eventually moved closer to home. What kind of, I mean, what was that journey? Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So uh, the journey was, I bought that first house in 2007. 2008 was amazing. I went from literally a substitute school teacher making uh, ten to $15,000 a year. And I think we did 150 deals in 2008. So everybody else is running for the hills. Mm-hmm. Real estate is terrible. And I don't know any better because I'm just young. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm buying all these cheap houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was great. Uh, but I didn't ever know how to run a business with it. I didn't know how to hire anybody, obviously. Uh, I didn't know how to <laughs> fire anybody. I didn't know any systems. It was just basically me. And my dad, he retired early from teaching uh, to join me. And we were kind of partners for about six years years, right? Uh, so fast forward, this was in 2014. Uh, I was doing some other things. I was fixing and flipping and I was doing some owner financing deals. I had a couple of rentals and I was really, really stressed out. Honestly, I had just gotten married two years in my marriage. I had a new uh, son mm-hmm. and I was getting sued by a contractor and I had some of these flips that were just going really the wrong way and I was losing money. And I realized, man, I can't do this anymore. I just want to go back to wholesaling and I just want to chase deals and it's simple and I want a simple business. And that's when I said, I'm just going to do this, this business. I'm going to call it simple wholesaling. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started, honestly. And, um, my first hire was uh, a friend of mine and I sat down with him at Cracker Barrel and I said, Hey, you know what? Uh, I heard about these people writing these letters and sending them in the mail and getting deals. What, do you want to do that? And he said, sure. So he needed a job. So that's, that was my first hire. He wrote these letters handwritten uh-huh. on these notebook pieces of paper. And, uh, and I kind of went from there. And then honestly, it scaled to other people started saying, what are you doing? And I started hiring my acquisitions manager, a dispositions manager, um, and really kind of did everything the wrong way. I didn't, I didn't know any systems and processes and, uh, but our culture I think was really, really good. And yeah. I was a very honest person. I want to do things the right way. People trusted me. And I think that's really where we started to yeah. grow, even though we weren't doing things totally business-like, but yeah. we were, our culture was like, man, I, I can trust you guys. And that's where it started to grow. And then Brian stepped in and that's when kind of the processes started. What would you attribute? to developing that culture. I mean, cause you know, culture is something that we throw around every once in a while, but like, how did you 
engendered that culture? What contributed to it? Were you able to attract people that liked your culture? Yeah. Well, number one, I'm a man of faith. So that's mm. that's kind of like big for me. So I always want to do the right thing and uh, treat people the right way. Uh, and then a little bit after I hired a couple of people, another friend introduced me to a business coach mm-hmm. and he ran this, uh, read this book called Scaling Up and he took me through that, right? And that's when I really learned how to run a business and yeah. my core values and said, you gotta have core values. And I was like, what are, what are core values? I don't know, <laughs> like I'm an honest person, but he took me through the process and we started making goals and rocks mm-hmm. and, and that really changed the game, yeah. right? Um, and that's when I started to learn how to hire people. And he told me, and he said, you can't just walk around a building and be like, oh, you look cool, let's, let's go. <laughs> and, and, and that's when uh, that just all helped me. You can, you just can't grow. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so Scaling Up, uh, that, that's an incredible, incredible book. So you got the culture, you got the core values, and then at some point you, you, you partnered up with Brian. So we were kind of talking about what, what it was that you know, created this bond where you guys, you know, partnered up. Can we talk about that? Yeah. yeah, it really came back to, you know, I think when I moved, I was living in Columbus, Ohio and moved out to Indianapolis like six years ago. Brett and Karen were like one of the first couples that I met and started hanging out with. We both were former basketball players and kind of bonded over that. We got every now and then for, you know, a beer and watch a game and mm-hmm. hang out. So we kind of, you know, kind of bonded over that. And then we decided to play in this three on three basketball tournament. Brett and Brett's <laughs> idea. Let's do it. We hadn't played in a while and yeah. stuff like, oh, we'll be OK. Yeah, and uh, it was like, yeah, f- five points into the game, like he tore his Achilles. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just it, so we lost the game. Number one, I was like, <laughs> but um, but I was teaching the time of summertime. So really, I, I think I took to you to maybe like two or three doctor's appointments. And we really didn't know each other that well. But we kind of bonded over that and just kind of got to know each other. And so so then it became regular for us to meet, you know, once every couple of months to go out for breakfast or, you know, still go out for a beer or something like that. And yes, and then the opportunity kind of came around and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. It's funny you say like in the very beginning, I, I think when I blew my Achilles, it was like the first like two minutes of the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so one thing I want to touch on real quick, it's a tangent, because you're talking about basketball, you're talking about leadership, you're talking about basketball. Um, something that I haven't talked a lot about is that a lot of the leadership skills that we learned came from playing basketball, yeah. right? Being on a team, corralling a team, you know, getting that guy, I mean, a lot of it's like verbal abuse, but it's like run back on D, box out. What are you doing? Why aren't you guarding your guy? And it's just a lot of like, it's a lot of commanding. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a point guard, I was a point guard my entire life. I mean, I'm yeah. five six right now, so <laughs> I'm like I've grown since sixth grade. But I've been a point guard my entire life. Like I had to, I had to run the offense, I had to run the defense. And mm-hmm. I mean, I remember my um, high school basketball coach senior year, like during our end of the year like banquet and stuff like that. And he's like, I, I think Brian knows me better than my wife does because he didn't <laughs> have to say what play. Like I knew it, and that's yeah. that was part of being a leader to me. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I grew up in a in a coach's house, so my dad was a high school basketball coach in Indiana. So it's a lot different probably now here. High school basketball coach in Indiana is pretty legit. I mean, they made a whole movie about it. Yeah, <laughs> we were that movie. Who's yeah, you were Jimmy Chitwood. Yeah, so. <laughs> my dad was Norman Dale. Um, and so I, I still use my dad's principles today. Still, still, even he would say things like, "Hey, Brett, you're either going to get better or worse today mm-hmm. at basketball. What are you going to do?" And I'd say, well, I want to get better. Yeah. And so I use those same things in business or in life. Um, You're constantly he, sharpening the saw. Yeah, yeah. And he would say things like, practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. So I would, you know, just like shooting a free throw, the more you practice, the more it just becomes repetition. Mm-hmm. And just like deals, like when I did my first real estate deal, I was scared to death, right? Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, you probably remember your first deal, and I couldn't believe we were going to make six thousand dollars, and it was just so scary. But now, I don't even think about it. I haven't looked at the last one thousand houses, and I'm like, well, whatever, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just a deal. So, anyways, it's just kind of the more you practice, the more uh, permanent it just kind of comes in your mind. So, totally agree. Basketball skills, um, and just the lessons. Yeah, it's been cool. So let's talk about. So you guys joined forces, and um, Brian this year took over operations. So let's talk about that. How do you go from working in the business to eventually just sitting in the owner's box? And not, not that you're not doing anything, but you're not as heavily involved, which I think is kind of like what everyone's dream is and what everyone thinks they're going to get when they get into wholesaling. And it doesn't. It takes many, many years of failing to get there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what that transition was like in handing off the reins. Yeah. Well, uh, I actually did a talk a couple of weeks ago just about this topic because I think you're exactly right. I mean, people start businesses, a wholesaling business, for for freedom, right? They mm-hmm. want to f- make their own hours, their own time. But then most of the time, later, people complain because they have no freedom, right? Right. That's, that happens. So, and I, that was just a, a thing. I always, you know, you go through seasons of life, and in the last couple of years, one of my goals was to get out of the day-to-day operations of the business. And this year hits 2020. And I remember we're sitting down with our business coach. And this was kind of highlight key number one. So Brian, he's coming up with the vision of of this year, what this is going to look like. And he's describing his ideas. And I'm kind of sitting over here, you know, and uh, our coach looks at us and he says, Brett, do you even want to be the visionary of this company? And like, I thought about that. And I honestly didn't even know that that was an option. Yeah, because that was like the visionary or the CEO. That's like the pinnacle, right? That's like that's that's the top. You don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I was like, is that even? Can I even do that? Is that something I can do? And he said, Well, yeah, it's your business. If you just want to sit in the owner's box, you can do that if you want. And then that's where it kind of entered my mind. Uh, so fast forward, March, COVID hits, uh, shutdown orders are here. And I remember having that thought that this could really hurt our business. It could even take us out. We could totally just crumble and fail. And I had a relief come over me thinking I would be okay with that mm-hmm. possibly if we diminished down to just a few people and that was our business, right? Uh, and that's when I realized that I was not the visionary anymore yeah. and I needed to get out of that seat. Uh, so call that Brian. I said, Brian, I gotta have a heart to heart with you. Here's where I'm at. I've lost some of the the zest, some of the passion. I'm not as hungry as I was 13 years ago mm-hmm. in this business. I still want to do things and create things, but I feel like I'm not the visionary. Do you want to take the reins of this whole the whole deal? And I'll sit in the owner's box and I'll be your biggest fan and you make mm-hmm. the decisions and you can bounce ideas off of me and I'll be honest with you, but it's your deal. So you're kind of like the chairman. Yeah. Right. Like he's, he's my board of advisors. Yeah. One person. He's my yeah. one person. So they board. go back yeah. whenever they need to make an important decision. They'll go back to the founder yeah. or the chairman. But that's really the level of involvement. Yeah. All right. And a lot of times I don't have to do that uh, because I want to empower them. So my answer is most of the time is, will you decide? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? And yeah. mo- most of the time they already have the answer. Right. They just um, want that confirmation. And that's something I've had to learn. And as a CEO and a visionary for many years, uh, that that was the, been the biggest challenge is letting go. Sure. Letting go. And that takes time and courage. Yeah. Lot. I hear that a lot from a lot of the other uh, uh, when we were in CG, right? A lot of the guys talking about like delegating, had, mm-hmm. and it's hard mm-hmm. for a lot of these guys. Yeah, it is. I, well, it's kind of funny of you know, kind of just coming back to that story of last year. We set our vision and our goals for this year, and 
our goal was by the end of 2020, we wanted Brett to be only working 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So that was the goal to get there. And I asked him, actually, when we were at CG, we were just driving around and I asked him like, so like, how much are you working? Like, are you, you know, are you, did, are you under that 20 hours? And he was like, oh, I'm maybe at like under five. So, <laughs> so I was like, great. That, that was a relief for me of like, okay, now, yeah. like it's kind of even like, okay, I feel like I am doing this. I'm, I'm doing what he needs to be done and I'm carrying out his vision and we're, we're doing pretty well. So yeah. 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 That's awesome. But you also have to, to really let go. And uh, a lot of times your ego gets in the way. Sure. Especially people, this is your baby, right? It's like someone taking care of your kid. It's very, very difficult to let go of that. Uh, number one, I knew that my face wasn't going to be in the company as much anymore, right? Mm -hmm. At all. Uh, my decisions weren't going to be, you know, the decisions that were going to be carried out. My vision wasn't going to be, even our core values, they're, asked, they're talking about, hey, should we switch our core values because our vision is starting to change because they're the visionaries now. Mm -hmm. um, that's just some things, and I, I again, I have to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, that's when the ego, I'm, you know, I'm the man. I, you mm -hmm. know, my face needs to be in the commercials or whatever. And I had right. to let go of a lot of that, honestly. Yeah. Well, so, and I think a lot of times, like that, you know, especially that if you were the owner and you started the company and things like that, when you start growing a team, and all of a sudden it gets to the point where maybe you don't see that you end up being the bottleneck in that business a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So like when Brett came to me and he said, hey, let's have this serious conversation, would you be interested in that? Like honestly, it was kind of a relief for me because I was like, okay, now I can, now things are gonna happen a little bit quicker. And that's, you know, the thing, no, it wasn't nothing against yet. him. It was just yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> it was just like, you know, it was one extra step that I had to do. Like of just yeah. asking confirmation, making sure it was okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that through that conversation of like, yeah, I can just, I can just go with it and roll with it. And so that was a relief for me. And it's kind of funny too, just on, I think it was like the, you know, the June or July CG when it was virtual mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Brett like kind of made a, uh, I think Brett was on there and he talked about like him getting out of the business and kind of, you know, announced that and stuff. And I got it. I like my, literally my phone blew up from a bunch of other like COOs in the business. Like, Hey, you need Brett to talk to my owner. Like right now, <laughs> and, like, you know, have that conversation and stuff. So this, and I see it right now, even with the, the CEO, I'm always asking, you know, the, my, the two guys on our leadership team of like, Hey, you guys have to be completely honest with me. If I'm, if I'm ever slowing something down, you have to let me know. Like I'm yeah. trying to be very aware of that. Yeah. So I think this is a really good point because I actually had this conversation this morning with one of my uh, operators and he's like, you know, how much involvement am I supposed to bring you in? I was like, none, like just make the decision. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the analogy I gave was like, you know, you cross, you come to a fork in the road. How do you know which one's the right road, which one's the wrong road? And the answer is you don't, you just pick one. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's the wrong road, you just go back. Yeah. And right. so, yeah. Uh, but. And, and that was the big thing for me too, is a lot of times guys have said, you have to stress test your mm -hmm. business. And I didn't know what was gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing, they could have, this could be tumbling right now. And I'd be like, that maybe that was a wrong decision. But I was like, you know what? Let's just find out. Mm -hmm. Let's just roll the dice. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I can. I, I'll give it six months. I can always step back in if I have to. But maybe right. it. And it's worked out amazing. And I think uh, John Maxwell is talking about kind of that. He says the leader shift, mm -hmm. and you know, talk about sports. And I think that's the natural progression. As a lot of times as visionaries, we are the bottleneck because there's people on your team that want to lead but you never let them. Yeah. And, and you're like, no, I'm gonna stay in this because this is my business, this is my baby, and I built this. But um, I was fine with where the business is at now. If we just keep doing the same thing, I'm fine. But what if they wanna grow it? Like, mm -hmm. and, and now I'm allowing them to do that if that's what they want. Right. So. so we talked about delegation was one of your challenges. Were there any other challenges in handing the reins over for someone that's listening that wants to, you know, that's dreaming about doing this? <laughs> What are some of the challenges 
unexpected hurdles. Yeah, I think one of the things with us is just being, I think us being able to be open and honest with each other about stuff like helped us out a lot. Like there was, I can remember like a conversation, you know, like a month ago, like I, Brett sent, you know, we closed on a deal and the the buyer just sent an email back and said, hey, thank you so much for this transaction. It went well. And he just, you know, sent an email and was just like, hey, you like, or thanks a lot. And I think it was just something that simple. I just gave him a call right away. I was like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like by you doing that, you are now going to usurp anybody on our team. Like they're going to, if they have, if they buy a house from us again, they're going to reach out to you. Like you just, you know, you've gone past our dispo guy, you've gone past me. So it's like little things like that, that yeah. you never really realize. He was just being nice and, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, thanks a lot. But it's, it's one of those things of like, Hey, you, if you're going to be out, you're going to be out. Or if you're going to be in, you got to be in. So yeah. it, it, it blurs things. the lines, confuses everybody. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for me, uh, there's there was a lot of things, a lot of emotions, anxiety. Uh, at first, you know, June first hits, and I'm not in any meetings anymore. No one asks me any questions, and you feel a little like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a little mm-hmm. lost. Who am I? Because your identity gets sucked into it. So I, I went through that, uh, but time heals, right? And you right. start to just be be someone else. Um, so an ego was a big thing. Uh, I talked about letting go. There was a time, I think I've done this like 10 times, as I start to write an email to Brian, like there was a deal that I, I still look at the deal sometimes, and there was a deal I was like, I didn't know if I liked it, so I s- started to write this email, Brian, this deal, I don't know if this was very good, and I just erased it, and I yeah. said, you know what, that's not, it's their, it's their thing. So sure. I had to learn that. Um, and a big one thing for me is, I've heard this a lot, is going through that guilt complex. It's a lot of people feel guilty because they own the business, they're still making money, but they're not working in it, and the other people are working and they're still making money, mm-hmm. kind of like that. And I had to go through that. So I had to kind of get over that, where you like, hey, I built, I built something where they have this great opportunity, and now they can lead, which they love doing, uh, and um, and I still take all the ri- I, a lot of the risk, right? right? It's still my risk, my name on the on the company. So I had to go through some of the guilt as well, and those are some of the feelings you go through. But once you get past, and uh, you know, it's just like anything, you just learn something new, and it's a new chapter. So you had mentioned your coach. Who's your coach? So we started off with a guy out of Indianapolis doing the scaling up. I worked with Will Ditzler for three years, scaling up. And then the last two years, we worked with Gary Harper yeah. out of Sharper. Yep. And uh, him and his wife, Susan. Yep. And they've been great. They're coming down here actually next month for me. Awesome. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about you, your challenges. And I know you mentioned one where you know he sent an email. Yeah. It's ridiculous of Brett to do that. There you go. Yeah, I think it's. I think you know a couple of things. Of one of them is just like making sure like all the professional accounts are taken care of. Um, and I think as a, as entrepreneurs, you don't really know all the things that should be done even. Mm. And professional accounts, like just like you know, just like all the insurance stuff, mm. all the you know workers' comp or all your contractors, like they, they have all that stuff and. That's things that like kind of he and I really don't know much about that. And we mm-hmm. kind of just like, oh, whatever happened, everything was okay, and we kind of went with it. Um, luckily, we brought my, my wife on team. She's been a senior director of HR for you know 15 plus years, and she like kind of is helping us button up all that stuff. But it was one yeah. of those things of like, I didn't know that language, I didn't know what was going on, and he was kind of uh, you know not to call you out, but he was just kind of a little passive about that a little bit too on some of that. It's stuff. just something I, I hate was, doing. Yeah. I mean, I think all entrepreneurs yeah. and visionaries, they just, that's the stuff you just hate doing, so you just put it on the back yeah. burner. So and I think it's something someday. That, hopefully yeah. nothing, nobody gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someday we'll take care of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then I think an- another struggle is really just coming into of like, oh, wow, like now I'm responsible for, you know, Ronnie and his family. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like, 
how this business does, like, is, is, is Ronnie going to be able to have a paycheck next? You know, so I've kind of had a couple moments where it's like, wow, okay, I'm the man. I got to take this on. And now I got to make sure that everybody and their families are eating and mm-hmm. that they're, they're healthy and they're safe and they have, they have money to, you know, survive. So, yeah. um, I think that's been something that I think right away we were doing really well and, you know, and everything was okay. But then you have like, you know, you have a rough week and it's like, oh man, all right. Okay. I'm responsible for this now. Let's yeah. get it done. So that's, that's a struggle that, you know, is out there definitely. Yeah. And I think I just we were sitting in our coaches meeting too, and we had uh, all these boxes of what everybody was, you know, in charge of and kind of managed. And Brian was in like over half of the boxes because I took all of my stuff and kind of shoved it over to him. Plus, mm-hmm. he already had his own responsibilities. Plus, he's taken on more. And I think that's one of the learning things he's had to come through too. Is just like he can't be in charge of everything because I know what that's like. And it is pressure and it's stress and it's anxiety. These are things people don't really talk about, right, on this show probably. But, you know, um, it's not like, you know, you have to make all these, you know, big, big decisions. But when you start to pile all this on you, it's just, um, it just weighs on you. Right, and I don't want him to get that. I don't want all, just to shift all of my stress onto mm-hmm. onto him either. So I think that's something I'm always, you know, conscious about as well. Sure. So one thing that comes up uh, in, in our mastermind as well is, you know, someone I will ask every once in a while. I was like, when's the right time, or do you offer equity, right, for someone to handle operations? How do you guys address this? Because it's something that's come up multiple times mm-hmm. within my organization. How yeah. did you guys handle that? Yeah, I mean, these are questions that uh, people have asked me too. That I've, I, you know, even before I had that conversation, I went in my mind. I got mentors and I started asking them, like, "Hey, what could I do?" So all all these options came up. Could I could sell the business, maybe? Mm-hmm. But could you sell a wholesaling business? Could you sell it to the team? Would that be an option? Could you give up equity in the company, or could you, you know, still maintain 100% ownership but just slice up the profits uh, to the leadership team more? Uh, you know, if they grow it. So that's that's what we did. That's what I kind of talked to Brian about. That's what I offered him, you know. So it's one of those things, I think it just depends on who your team is. Mm-hmm. Again, um, one thing that I think as entrepreneurs we underestimate is the risk. And some people might be risk adverse. Like if something goes bad, maybe they don't want to be on the hook with that that whole right. deal, right? Um, so, so I just kind of carved it up where I, I do a lot more profit sharing bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna make a lot of money this year which is awesome, and uh, that's just what I did. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, it's worked out for us. So it worked for us, and going back to that first you know, breakfast or that first hiring that we had is like, we started having that conversation like, wow, this is gonna be the awkward conversation every time of like us talking about money and like being <laughs> friends and you know, things like that. But you know, we've, we've gotten used to it now, and like we're, we're pretty open, like I said, we're pretty open and honest with each other about that, but I think coming into what we've done, I think this is one of the best, one of the things that we've been able to do to like help empower our other leaders within the business too, of having them step up and giving them some more responsibilities with more opportunity to earn throughout. So it's not just all on me, but it's on all, all of us as a team and things. Yeah. So it's worked out really well. Yeah. And I'm really excited to have you guys here because I want, you know, we've had a couple of different people come on where we're talking about visionary versus integrator. Mm-hmm. I want people that aren't, you know, they're still working their way up. This is not a visionary integrator conversation. This yeah. is. Brian going from up uh, is is basically the the operations, and Brett is not even a visionary. You're there, you see what's going on, but you're not plotting the course anymore. Mm-hmm. You're no longer directing the ship. You're 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 on the ship. <laughs> you, you know you've got maybe like a a a, a chair like a sun something to sit yeah. <laughs> outside like a lawn yeah. chair. Yeah. But you're not directing the ship anymore. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's a completely different situation. It is, you know, and if you actually look at Brian's profile, which he has taken profile tests now, mm -hmm. uh, he has a lot of visionary qualities, right. honestly. Which makes uh, sense. Yeah, but he has a lot of operational qualities, implementer qualities too. Uh, so really, and our team's not a huge team. And that mm -hmm. was one thing, you know, I had to get over too. We have six local people, we have six virtual assistants. So, you know, we had about 12 total mm -hmm. people, but um, it's not a huge, huge team, right? Uh, so right now he basically is both. He's basically the implementer and the visionary. Mm -hmm. And if you look at sports, I'm sitting in the owner's box and right. he's out there, he's directing the, the, the plays and calling the plays. He's the GM coach. Yeah, yeah, and he's doing all that. And then, you know, the owners, I'm sure the coach doesn't like it if the owner comes back down there and is like, hey, why don't you run this play, you know? <laughs> Take it easy, Jerry Jones, like, yeah. <laughs> So that's just, I'm just sitting up there just rooting my team, go, mm -hmm. go, you know? Put the first rounder in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gotcha, very cool. So. Uh, one of the other things we talked about was because uh, I was curious to you guys about you know the, the branding, and I, I made the comment, and I'm sometimes very direct, so like that's a very interesting name, because you guys are acquiring more than wholesaling, but you kind of mentioned there was a reason why you guys went down with simple wholesaling. You want to share the, the the name or the idea behind the brand? Yeah, and I'm not very good at this. You're probably a lot better than I am about branding, Steve. And uh, you know, well, but you talk about some of your other business names before yeah, you talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> I had like Indiana Luxury Homes and name company after my daughter, Kaylin and Company. Anyways, uh, that was that's fun. But basically, uh, for me, I just wanted a simple business. I've mm -hmm. had complicated where I was trying to just do all these different things. And it was just too complicated. So number one, I needed it just a simple, I'm a simple man, I want a simple life. So mm -hmm. simple was huge for me. And, and wholesaling, not saying that we've never assigned deals and, and we've you know got them on our contract and assigned them. We have done a lot of that too, but we, we just said our model now is just uh, taking them down and then cleaning them out and then selling them. So we do more of the wholesaling mm -hmm. model now for us. Yeah. Um, but we do wholesale too. But it was more also too of uh, we love bringing value and educating people. And in our business, uh, we, we educate we educate wholesalers too. Yeah. So we have a meetup in Indianapolis that we're educating wholesalers. And that was one thing I always wanted to get to and you know we're kind of putting some of that stuff in place is uh, simple wholesaling can also educate other wholesalers. Sure, so. and I think that was, you know, when you started that, and it was, you actually started like right before I kind of started in things and I kind of took that over, but you know, a lot of people kind of gave us some flack and just said, what are you guys doing? You're just, you're training your competition. And really what that ended up doing was kind of doubling our business. Yeah. Um, so we were able to, you know, help other wholesalers and kind of teach them along the way, but also be that buyer for them when they, you know, maybe we want to, they want to walk through the whole deal with us and we'll, we'll do that. Or they, you know, they just have, there's a little hair on the deal and they can't figure it out or their buyers, they're starting off. So their buyers list isn't that great. So we've always been there to kind of help out and more, you know, I think actually last year we were the largest buyer in Indianapolis, um, mm -hmm. you know, for cash deals and stuff. So. Well, I think it goes back to, you mentioned John Maxwell earlier, right? Like leadership is a, is, is an idea of abundance and your abundance, you're giving and the more you give, the more you receive. Yeah. Exactly. So it works yes. really well. So uh, I have shut down my meetup since March because of COVID. I don't want to shut it down, but I also don't want to be like, there was 150 people at your meetup. <laughs> right, right. And we can say that that was a super spreader event. Right, and right. So what are you guys doing? So we're doing meetups? everything virtual uh, right now. So there is like some, some RIAs and things in Indianapolis that are meeting in person, but we just went ahead and went all virtual. We didn't have to worry about 
and I don't have to worry about like taking temperatures and, and mm-hmm. doing all that. But I think it's just the smart and safe thing to do right now, just to, right. to you know be okay. Um, so we also we have a Facebook group just called Wholesaling Made Simple, and you know so we're putting out you know different vlogs and different videos and things on each and every day. But we just do our our meetups virtual through there and. That's kind of how we've done it, and um, you know, so we've still been able to gain, you know, have some traction with that, and be able to work with other people. And um, you know, it's not ideal, it's not the best, but at least we're able to still give back in some way. And we have a lot of people that are reaching out to us still, and we're still working deals with them and helping them out in any way we can. What's your engagement like in that in that um, online Zoom? You know, it's it's, it's 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 you know we so our meetups we got it you know, we got to the point where we were like having about eighty to hundred people you know mm-hmm. every month and that was you know pretty good we were pretty happy with that you know the the is in town we're getting like maybe one forty mm-hmm. so we were like right there and we felt pretty good about it um, the engagement with what we have on there you know we'll maybe have twenty to thirty people you know beyond be online with us but. Then we'll have, you know, you see, you get to see a lot of people that watch it afterwards and things. And there's right. people that are, you know, asking questions. We're able to offer some answers right there on the spot and things. So, like I said, it's not, isn't it? The numbers aren't great of what we really want it to be compared to if we were in person, but it's still yeah. there. So we've been happy with it. Yeah. And I'm just asking because I'm just, I mean, I'm kind of going through that situation. Like, do I want to do this online? It's like, yeah, eh, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is always tough when you're like watching, like when you know you're usually in front of a room of like, you know, 100 people and then like you're watching it online, you see the little eyeball up there and like there's, 15 yeah. people in the room now there's 21 yeah. and it's like all right but i've always been told of like kind of like hey if there's 20 people that are watching it live there's going to be five times that that watch it afterwards and, sure. and that's kind of held true so i and knowing that helps out a little bit sure i think the biggest thing uh that brian has brought to the table is consistency so if you know my personality sometimes i start something i'm super fast just to jump in and then kind of wavers a little bit right <laughs> shiny uh, object what, what is it yeah yeah but he's he's very consistent and yeah. and it's kind of off on me too is like hey this isn't ideal but are we at least kicking the ball down a field getting getting a first down you know mm-hmm. whatever and just continuously moving forward and i think that happens a lot with wholesalers with people who start podcasts you know uh you see how many people start podcasts and 20 episodes later they just i don't feel like doing that anymore yeah they fizzle out <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah same thing and uh, just so if you're doing anything I think that what we've been able to do is we've been putting this meetup on for three plus years. I have my own podcast that I've been doing for four years. We have the Indie Investor Pod. We're on episode 65 or six. Yeah. So just trying to be consistent with whatever you're going to do. So I, I want to hit on that or emphasize this because uh, Tucker Merrick was on the show uh, not too long ago. And he said that when he started that podcast, he didn't think anything was going to come of it. And it's been a huge source of business for him. What has been your experience with podcasting? You know, when, local podcasting. Yeah, when all this, when all the COVID stuff hit, you know, we were worried right away of like, uh, we need to help out our buyers and make sure our buyers list is as strong as it's ever been. You know, that's kind of what we thought right away of like, oh, inventory is going to be great, buyers going to be tough. It was the exact opposite that actually happened. But we kind of had that idea of like, hey, let's just let's kind of come to that educational heart as well of let's go ahead and do a local podcast that's just all about you know educating people that are doing deals in Indy that are investing in Indy in any way. Um, you know, there's a lot of out-of-state investors that, you know, do work in Indianapolis that can't necessarily have eyes there and ears there all the time. So it was just something that we wanted to do. There's not, we don't promote anything on it. We don't really do anything like that. It's just all about helping people understand Indy, understanding the neighborhoods, understanding different strategies. And and through that, it's actually, it's it's got a lot of traction and it's helped a lot of people out. Um, and to be honest with you, I've never actually looked at the numbers of how many people listen to mm-hmm. it or how many times it's downloaded. 
but I, you know, I do pay attention when I hear, you know, I have a conversation with, you know, just a random person like, oh man, I love your podcast. It's helped me out so much. Like I've, I've bought three deals off one of the strategies you talked about and those things. So that's been really fulfilling and and really cool. And so I I feel like it's starting to even gain a little bit more traction than, but you know, right now, but it's, it's, I feel like it's helping buyers out, which is a hundred percent what we wanted to do. You know, the, the toughest thing is, is when you have and people investing in your city. That's what we want to give back to our city in any way of Indianapolis. So when you have somebody investing in there and they're buying a deal off of a wholesaler that doesn't know what they're doing or they get ripped off by a contractor or the realtor messes something up, like that's going to come back and affect all of us. So (laughs) So it's just, we just want to, yeah, like I said, I just want to, we want to make sure that we're helping out people in any way that we can. And you know, it's, I'm sure some of the people that it's not where our advice isn't going to be at work a hundred percent of the time, but it works for us right now. So, yeah. Well, and I, I just really want to hammer this point for the guys that are listening because, you know, Tucker started it and he had a huge, uh, had traction with it. And he started like, I think like four or five years ago, uh, you've been doing your national one for four years, but mm-hmm. your Indian one, uh, just this past year see, yeah. Yeah. and you're getting traction from it. So I don't want, I want everyone to listen to this thing. Like, don't think it's too late. It's yeah. not right? Yeah, right. Like there's plenty of opportunity. Just get out there, put out content, and you know people will find you uh, exactly. by, by taking that action. And the whole local thing, um, I think is just. I think anybody can do it, mm-hmm. honestly. And it's so much needed. Uh, and I think that's why we get. It's just different, right? You you see a lot of national real estate podcasts, which is mm-hmm. great, and but you don't see a lot of you know localized indie investor pod, and. I just think that's this different. So I think you know you always have to think about how can you differentiate yourself from the, from the competition. These are just a couple of things that that we have been consistent with podcasts yeah. and my national podcast. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I get you know thousands of listeners a month. I think we're up. You know we're not the biggest by any means. I think we get about ten thousand listeners a month, something like that. Um, so it's been great. I've gotten a lot of private lenders from it. People are just reaching out because they think you know they feel like they know you, yeah. right? And they're like, oh, I start talking to them on the phone. I talk about my family, like, oh yeah, your daughter, you know, went home <laughs> trick or treating last week or something. <laughs> like, How do you know? Right, <laughs> you know, right. but it's pretty crazy because yeah. they heard me on the podcast. So well, yeah. the best thing about podcasts, and you know, like it's sometimes you reach out to somebody, it's tough to be like, hey, can can we have a half hour conversation mm-hmm. or an hour conversation on the phone? They're like, no, I don't have time for that. But hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Oh yeah, book me. Let's let's do it. So oh yeah, I mean that's been one of my you know uh, closely held secrets is this helped me open a lot of doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of opening doors, so you guys have been, uh, like we connected really just the last few months, mm-hmm. uh, through collective genius. You want to talk about what that's done for you guys' business? Yeah. Uh, that's been again, game changer. Uh, and that was another just component of when we really started scaling the business. So I joined collective genius, it was about 40 years ago, and uh, someone knew Jason Medley, introduced me to him, and I was doing about 100 deals a year, something like that at that time. Uh, we're literally within two years, we were doing 300 deals a year. Mm-hmm. And and I really uh, attribute a lot of it to that group um, because I think it's just different. You know, let's go back to sports, for example. When I was in high school, I was the basketball star, right? And, and I was like, felt like I was the big shot. You know, I'm walking around, I get my name in the local paper and I'm getting MVP of the county tournament, stuff like that. And then I get a full ride basketball scholarship to college. Well, guess what? Everybody was an all-star 
in their high school team, right? And yeah. just think about the NBA. Well, CG is like, it's like the NBA of real estate investors. Mm -hmm. So now you're not the big shot. You can really learn a lot from other individuals. So many strategies, techniques, systems, um, you know, people, just the resources that you have. We've gained right. so much traction yeah. from it. And it's been a huge component of our business. Yeah, and the, the connections, the affiliates and stuff like that, that build up through it. and. I mean, there's a lot of really good masterminds throughout the nation. So I think no matter what you're doing, if you can't get connected with CG or whatever it is, like mm -hmm. find one and just, even if it's a local one or a national one, I think it's, I think it's really important. I know it's made a huge difference in our business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So for the people that are listening right now, I mean, we're saying 300 stepping out of your company that doesn't hit a lot of people. So for someone that's listening right now, trying to work on their first 10 to 20 deals, what advice would you give to someone trying to do their first deals? at the moment? So I say number one, find a list of some kind that you can work. Mm -hmm. So I think if, you know, I think I just got asked that question last week of like, what would you do with your first thousand dollars if you were a wholesaler? 100% I'd buy a list. Yeah. And then, you know, from there, figure out what strategy works for you. You know, when you're looking at lead generation, what do you, what, you know, there's so many different things that you can do in lead generation. We've done just about anything and everything you can think of. We tried it, we failed at it, and we've done well at some. But really, what works for your personality? Mm -hmm. um, like for example, I do not want to be on the phones cold calling people. It doesn't work for me. But some people, that's that's great. That's what they that's what they work through. So figure out what fits your personality, what fits your strengths, and then you know really work those lead generation systems. And then you know from there, it's, it's really all about kind of that that lead generation piece. But then also just being consistent with follow up. So, um, there's no magic formula for, there's no magic list. There's some, there's some lists that are better than others, but really what it comes down to is all the follow up on those lists and, and making sure you can touch base with each, every, each person and, you know, really just make sure that you, you consistently have that follow up with them. I think that, that's what it comes down to. So what would you qualify as your top three lead sources? Um, so we started doing TV this year. Um, that's been really good for us. Um, I think that's like our number one right now. Um, and then um, direct, we've always done direct mail. We've always done pretty good at direct mail. It's got a lot of deals for us, but I think TV is kind of overtaken it now lately. Um, and then from there, um, PPC, we get some really good leads from PPC. I think those are probably our top three if I had to list them off. So. Uh, who are you guys using for printing? Uh, direct one. Direct one? Yeah. So awesome. yeah, they've been really easy to work with. Um, I you know have nothing but good things to say about them. They're, they you know I'm doing the copy right now for all of our marketing and stuff like that. I'll send something in. They'll give me notes on it and kind of let, like uh, maybe she changes word. And there's been sometimes like oh no it's okay I like it how it says and they were probably right and that was one of our worst <laughs> marketing pieces that we sent out. But um, I'd say with that too, it kind of depends on where you are. I know with a lot of our marketing that we're doing through. Um, through, you know, through our direct mail and stuff, we've focused more on, hey, we are a business, we're legit, we're professional, and that's kind of the, the route we've taken. Since we've done that, we've got a lot less of the phone calls like, hey, take me off your list, you know, stop sending me mail, that kind of thing, because I think it looks a little bit more legitimate. So we've stopped kind of, we've moved away from being that like guy next door, mm. oh, I've, hey, I've just drove the neighborhood, and so like, we've, we've kind of moved away from that, and now we're you know trying to take that professional route, and that's, that's helped us out through our marketing campaigns. Yeah, the branding component. Yeah. I would say to, uh, I, I know what it's like, you know, to see someone stepping out of their business doing 300 deals and realizing, man, I'm never gonna to get there, right? And uh, I think that what they don't see is just the many, many years of relentless pursuit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's throughout the 13 years, I can't even count how many times I just wanted to quit and just get a real job and don't wanna do this anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't, and I kept getting up and just kept 
kicking the ball down the field, just kept moving forward. Uh, so whatever you have to do, honestly. And yeah. my first hire, we're, we're sitting here writing letters, handwritten, mailing them and stuffing them. And, and that sounds stupid, but it that's what we did because we didn't have a lot of money to, to do all this fancy TV commercials yeah. at that time. And what I really find too <laughs> is like, there's a lot of guys out there that are doing like, you know, one or two deals a month or five. They have better strategies than us. Like we're in a good situation right now because we have money and that's, that right. works for us. But you know, there's things that like, we'll, we'll work with a wholesaler on a deal and like having a conversation with them like, oh, how'd you get this? And like, why are we doing that? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's really good. So I think if, you know, if you're in that boat and as long as you're hustling and you're doing the things that are strong to you, that are strengths of yours, you're going to end up being pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to your point, I think, you know, that probably around eight or nine times I was like, I figured this out only to be humbled. Yeah. <laughs> and, then the, and then on the other side, it's like, why the hell am I doing this to myself? Yeah. And, you know, like, let's just burn this place down, <laughs> collect the insurance money. Yeah. And yeah. then you get a monster deal and you're like, all right, let's keep you on. Right, <laughs> so that's works. Uh, so what do you guys is... Um, I mean, right now, as far as overhead, you know, to run an operation, to do, do to be doing 300 deals a year, like what does that overhead look like? You want to take it? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you talk about overhead, so a lot of our people are paid off of commissions. Mm -hmm. So obviously their payroll kind of fluctuates up and down. As far as our marketing expense, uh, that's, that's fluctuated too. Right now, I think we spend about um, $30,000 a month mm -hmm. in marketing. Uh, right now and that's been that's been going up mm -hmm. since we've been doing well um, and then other than that uh, I'd say besides all the commissions and all that stuff uh, we're spending I don't know uh, probably about 45,000 something like that yeah so, uh, so so it's a big you know that's a lot of money right and, it is a lot uh, of money <laughs> yeah but um, but I think it's just this is it's not a lot of money if I told you you could put $45,000 and make a hundred, right. and you knew it worked, it's just that's just a numbers game. Yeah. So yeah. it used to be I would put in $5 and make eight, right? Mm -hmm. It just has grown over the years. Sure. <laughs> so it's, it's just a matter of scaling. And uh, Eric Brewer says, hey. <laughs> hey, Eric. <laughs> he had a great, yeah, I, lo I love that show that you did. Yeah. That you guys did a couple weeks ago. So. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a monster as well. Yeah. And then Clay Manship says, what a couple of ugly mugs. <laughs> We love you, Clay. <laughs> uh, so Ka, uh, Ka Tran wants to know, uh, is a wholesale business the only, is a wholesale business that only wholesales sellable? And, we, and you kind of touched on that a moment ago. Do you want to answer that question? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You might know this more than myself, Steve, but have you ever met anyone who has sold their wholesale business? Actually sold their wholesale business. Um, I don't know anyone that's sold it. No, I right. mean I've seen like uh, partnerships. You know, kind of talk about like you know selling a portion of it, mm -hmm. but I don't know anyone that's actually sold it and stepped away. Right. Yeah. I mean, so essentially, be like selling the brand is really what that kind of comes into. Which in Indianapolis, we do have a pretty good brand, so that yeah. might be. Well, you would have to sell yeah. the brand. You have to sell the systems, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. policies, procedures, and the people, and sell that the, uh, sell the employees on staying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. and that and that's true. They, yeah, and you know, if you sold your wholesale business and everybody just walked away, you have some systems, but what is right. that worth, right? So, uh, so I think it is sellable, uh, but it is limited. I think you know, when in my thought, I thought I thought um, if I sold the business, I would have to sell it to the people 
someone working in the business. And right. I would probably have to seller finance it is right. what I thought. Um, so I'm not saying no, but I haven't met anybody who, who sold their business unless it was to their employees. Yeah, because you, you generally look, right, like for a lot of businesses, three times, three X mul multiplier. And I don't know anyone that would pay a three X multiplier right. for a wholesaling right. business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most of, most of the value's in the inventory, mm -hmm. you know, and I would say that. So it's not like an education course where you got residual right. income coming in all the time, subscriptions, yeah. so. Um, and then we see you got a lot of love here. So, you know, there's a math teacher, there's a math teacher in here, Joseph Prather. Nice. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Smith says that, you know, you've been really helpful for, uh, for him. Uh, so the cash house buyers team, how do you decipher if a person is right for your team when you are scaling? So we can take that like from kind of where we were to where we are now, like it really was like just kind of like filling in places like, oh, I need somebody to do this. They seem like it'd be a good fit. But now it's, you know, we're gonna have them take a, a personality profile test and figure out, you know, kind of what their strengths are and what, you know, maybe what they need to improve and those types of things. And then really, do they fit our culture as well? So yeah. like one of the things that, one of the big things with us is like really, so, you know, they say that, you know, that the best salesmen are those, you know, high A on the predictive index and, and that kind of thing. That sometimes it doesn't really fit in with our culture and our team and stuff. Yeah. And we've had that on our team and they haven't worked out and we had to let them go. So, um, you know, we're gonna make sure that they might have the personality profile, but then also to just make sure that, you know, they fit in with our culture and then what needs to be done. Um, another thing with your scaling too, don't, you know, don't hire later than you need to. So if you're, mm -hmm. If you're already at like 80% capacity, it's time to hire. So yeah. don't get to that 100% capacity and then hire them because you don't have time to train hire them. Out of, hire out right. of desperation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the worst yeah. place to hire from. Yeah, yeah. And we've tried some different things. Uh, so what Brian said, the personality test has been good. We've tried, um, you know, giving people kind of some tasks to see how they do first. Uh, we've done some of that before we bring them on full, full bore. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I think we've definitely gotten a lot better at it, and we have a better system now. Um, we've got to the point twice now that we've kind of got like too fat as a team, where we had too many people, and we're like, "Hey, we need to let's cut this back." Like we operate better as a smaller team, and mm -hmm. yeah. like right now, you know, we only have really five people. I count you as part time, and yeah. my wife is, <laughs> is part time. So really, like six, you know, six six people, and then six VAs is what we operate yeah. off of. Yeah. So. And most of the time we've hired fast. I've hired fast, which is totally wrong. Take mm -hmm. your time, be patient. And we fired very, very slow. So it was very painful. <laughs> Six <laughs> months of you know, moving someone yeah. around in different positions, yeah. thinking they're gonna be good here when they weren't good there. Yeah. And that's just yeah. not the way to do when it. When we do put an emphasis on culture, it's really easy. You get attached to those people and you, mm -hmm. you, you brought them in because you like them and they fit with you and things. And then it's like, Ah, we don't really want to let them go. Let's try them here. Let's try them there. When reality is like, no, we know. should just let them go. You already and, knew. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I, I make the mistake often of hiring fast, just like, mm -hmm. you know, fall in love really fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, let's give them a shot, especially for salespeople, mm -hmm. you know, but the hiring or firing slow, that's just a slow death for everybody. <laughs> Everyone's suffering. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Like, it's like mom and dad are fighting. Yeah. They're ready for divorce and the kids know it. But, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, from my experience of like, you know, those people that we have let go, like I've had multiple of them like reach out to me and say like, you know, it might be two months later or even a year later, like reach out and say, hey, thanks a lot. Like, I appreciate that you did let me go because it was the right time. And, you know, it was, I, I can see the struggle now, but like, thanks a lot for the opportunity. So that at least that, that is a saving grace. A lot you know, that's why I actually had that exact conversation on the way here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> someone was like, yeah, you know, it didn't work out, but I learned so much from you that really helped me. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in my next spot. Yeah. Uh, People so, is always the, is the toughest thing. It's, it's always, the hardest one. It's mm -hmm. always the toughest. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, so Joseph wants to know, uh, he, he's heard you guys talking about putting on an education course. What do you guys suggest when picking a mentorship? So I think it really just comes down to uh, make sure that they are, that that mentor is actually doing what you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So if you want to wholesale, don't, you know, don't work with someone that's like only wholesaling or is a, is a, is a flipper or something like mm -hmm. that. I think a lot of people fall in that trap, but then also make sure you sit down, like take them, you know, have coffee, have lunch, something like that, and make sure that you line up with your core values. We preach out a lot of like, make sure that the people that you're working with or learning from like have the same core values as you because when you got when you start working a deal together, that's what's going to kind of make or break that deal of how it actually works out and making sure that you're both comfortable with how it plays out. Yeah, I think that core values point is really really important. Yeah, um, and and a lot of times people are against uh, you know paying for mentors, and obviously there's a lot of bad mentors that charge a lot of money and they're not good. Um, but I but I'm not against paying for mentorship. I yeah. think that I, I even pay for mentors today. Yeah, um, but someone that kind of fits me that fits what I like. I'm kind of a laid back person. Um, and, you know, Brian talked about the core values. Uh, so if I had a super type A driven, Hey, you need to crush the competition. Uh, that's not going to fit me. Right? right. So find someone that's just, you know, kind of, you know, has the same kind of, uh, you know, fits your personality style as well. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think also you got to look at the mentor for who you are today, because who you are in two years from now, you're going to need a different mentor than mm -hmm. the one you have today. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You can easily outgrow your mentor and, yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, I think it's something too, of just, you know, obviously not jump, going up and like, Hey Steve, can you mentor me and mm -hmm. things? So actually having a conversation with them and see if there is, you know, some commonality there and maybe, you know, maybe help them out in some way or go do something with them, making sure you know, have those conversations all of a sudden, Oh, this, this seems like, you know, they're going to reach out to you and be like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I want to help them out. Like it's yeah. going to be kind of more on them as much as it is on you. I think it's right. important. Cool. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else? Yeah, Robert emphasized character alignment. Guys, if you have any other questions, please feel free to ask those questions. Um, so let's talk about right now, November 2020. What are you guys' biggest challenges at this moment? We'll see after the election now. <laughs> Might already be over. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think one of our biggest challenges kind of w within the business of what we're going through right now is, um, you know, with how competitive it is of mm -hmm. we we have never been like we've never been in that position where we offer at the door. Um, we've always been, you know, kind of in that boat of our guys go out, do the walkthrough. They kind of, you know, send us over the notes. Brett and I have always been the one to analyze the deals. So and then he's he's done with that now. Like I've been doing it. So we've kind of always had this like kind of, I guess, just, you know, a lag in that system. But now it's, you know, kind of making sure we have the right sales training going on to where we are ready and we're prepared and we've analyzed correctly. So we can offer the, the, the door because a lot of times if you can't offer the door, you're going to end up losing, you know, one out of, you know, five of those deals or whatever. Mm -hmm. So luckily your, your sales training you've been doing the last couple of weeks have been awesome. So oh, uh, it's very helped us out a lot. It. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Our guy got a deal the other, like it was just last week. He got a deal and they're like, this Steve Trang stuff is working. It's awesome. So yeah. Awesome. Very happy to hear that. I think, I think the biggest thing that we've really been struggling with is just like everybody else is the inventory. Mm -hmm. Um, deals are flying off the shelf and, uh, we can't keep enough houses. And so we're trying to figure out, What's that going to look like? And after the election, and then all this stuff next year, I, I don't know. Honestly, yeah. it's unpredictable. Um, 
but I think that's where great teams come in. Mm -hmm. They have to adjust. I mean, you probably know too, it's like how many times have you had to adjust your business <laughs> in the years? I feel like we have to adjust something every year, every two years. Yeah, and what you, you need to. And it's just like, especially <laughs> yeah. this year, this year has been just so unpredictable. It's something yeah. you know, we talked about earlier of like, we thought it was gonna be like, inventory is gonna be high and the buyers are gonna be scarce. It was the exact opposite. But right. just being able to kind of take what it, what comes in and just be able to adjust to it. And you know, nobody's, no, no system we're running right now is probably going to be that same system that we're operating, you know, two quarters from now. It's going to change in some way. Oh, absolutely. It's just, so it's, you know, basically having all those living, breathing documents that they're all up to change. And then also comes down to of like having that team input of like, hey, just because it works for me doesn't necessarily mean it works for our acquisitions mm -hmm. team. So getting their input of like, what do we need to change? What do we need to fix? And I think that goes a long way. Um, one thing you've talked about recently, you've had a couple of presentations on, was purpose. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm big on, uh, you know, on purpose. I gave a presentation at Collective Genius about it and, and really finding out like at your purpose and what makes you come alive. And, you know, life is, is very, very short, honestly. And I feel like, um, so I want to do uh, the things that, that I love doing and that I'm called uh, to do. And that's different for everybody else. And I think at the bottom line is, I just want Brett to be more of Brett, mm -hmm. right? And I think sometimes we lose ourselves in whatever we're doing, right? And that's part of the real estate thing is like, I loved a lot of parts of the real estate thing and that was a great season, but maybe maybe this season is not, is not that, it's something different. And my season is more transitioning as to, hey, this is really, really cool. And I love impacting the people on the team. And I think the biggest impact I can have on them is probably letting them lead the business, mm -hmm. right? And that's probably the, my role right now. But how can I, you know, find my purpose in impacting other, other things that I'm really passionate about? So, um, and everybody that's listening is is in different spots, right? When I was 28 years old, I got to pay the bills, right? I got to do that yeah. stuff. Right now, I'm just in a different different season, and I think you got to like identify what season you're in. And I also don't wanna say like, hey, just because I'm stepped out of the business, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And I think people um, maybe take that uh, the wrong way sometimes because some people do find their purpose in their business, right? Yeah. And they enjoy leading, they enjoy leading their team. And I think that's great. And it's just a, an individual thing you gotta find. Right, and I think John Maxwell talks about, you know, the seasons of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And things, well, one of the things he, he hits on a lot. So now that you're in this, owner's box. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the things that uh, it, it's kind of cool. Uh, it kind of takes yourself back, you know, when you were learning how to do real estate, right? So I've been meeting with coaches and I've been actually meeting with this transitional coach that mm -hmm. kind of takes people through this transition when you go from, he calls it go from your calling to more of your contribution, right? And this mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm, what I'm going through. So as far as uh, what I love doing, I, I do enjoy, um, you know, the content things. I have the podcast that I do and I gave it, I enjoy speaking and pouring into people uh, in that way. Um, I enjoy, uh, you know, missions and really trying to figure out how I can really help um, some types of mission organizations. Those are some things. Uh, so right now I'm still kind of at the beginning stages and, uh, and honestly, just kind of enjoying the ride with it and just kind of taking a step back. I feel like um, as an entrepreneur, 
when you do that, people are like, what are you doing? You know, like you're always doing something, but like, but you have to take a step back and just like, just breathe and like enjoy like, okay, I don't have to be going 110 miles an hour all the time. Yeah. You know, and I'm just kind of at that place right now. Gotcha. What about you? What is your purpose? Right now, make sure the business doesn't fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I think uh, kind of, you know, as Brett kind of touched on it is now I want to make sure that really, so the business is kind of like my purpose and what, what I'm doing, not like for life, but it's like what I need to focus on right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's been unique. And then also bringing my wife on team. Now it's like, okay, now we have conversations at home about the business and how it's operating and things. But, you know, really with what kind of that means to me is so with, you know, you kind of look at the five stages of business where you have the startup, the perseverance, the profit, the growth and the succession. Brett's kind of plan was always like, he wanted to get out of the business. He wanted to get to that point where he could, it was automated and he didn't have to worry about it. And it was kind of going where I kind of feel like we've missed a little bit of that phase of like where we can grow. So now it's really digging into, Hey, like with, you know, with our team, where do we want to grow? Where do we want to, what do we want to do with this thing? And, you know, we've had this kind of race car that we've kept in the garage for a while and let's take it out <laughs> on the track and see what we can do with it. Um, yeah. So in really kind of figuring out, you know, working with, you know, kind of coming back to that leadership thing of like working with the team to figure out what their what their purposes are and what their passions are and what we can really do together. And um, you know, education is always something that you know I I I love to I love to teach. I love to be in front of a room and, and that kind of thing. So we got some stuff we're kicking around with with the education thing that we want to you know we're going to start doing next year. And I think that'll really bring a lot of purpose and purpose to my life. Uh, one thing you guys both touched on was core values. What are your core values? Well, that, that's interesting. So <laughs> as we had a, we had a meeting with uh, Gary Harper uh, two weeks ago, our quarterly, and he, you know, one of his first questions, he's like, so Brian, now that Brett's out of the business, like, wh- are your core values still the same? Like are, now you're the visionary. So do the, are the core values that you have within the business, are they the same for how you, what your vision is? And I was like, I don't know. Our, our, our vision has changed a little bit. Our kind of our teams change when Brett first came out with the core values. Nobody on, is on that team anymore from that. Mm. And honestly, we kind of went from, you know, when I first started, we went from really just being like a small group, like for, you know, kind of a, a men's small group, church group <laughs> that did real estate. And now we're like, OK, now we're operating as a business. So um, we're actually kind of in the process of kind of going through those, you know, the, what the changing up of the core values to make sure it kind of does fit into what, what we really need. And the core values that we had, you know, they were, you know, to be mission minded, be a faithful servant, have smart and simple systems, um, enjoy the ride and leave a lasting impression. And really what those are, are those are those are core culture. That's like that. That's who we are as a team. That's how we want to operate and things. So now we're going to do a vision trip with me and Brett and Ronnie and Randy, uh, the other two guys in our leadership team, and really kind of dig into you know, set the vision for next year. But part of that's going to be like, hey, let's let's dig into our core values and what are they really? And here's kind of, you know, Gary went through an exercise with us of like, hey, these are the five that kind of stick and stand out for Brian's core values. They really fit in with the team and the vision for next year and going forward. So I think that's that's a big thing, too, is when I came up with the core values, I was meeting with my business coach and uh, it was really just me. Right. And mm -hmm. I just came up with them because that's who I am. And I wanted those extend off, which is most of the time the visionaries uh, characteristics is the core values. And um, and this is another thing, because when I let go of this bit, let go of the business and Brian became CEO, one of my friends says, you know, the business is going to change. Right. Like culture is going to change. The core values are going to change. And I had to say, like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, if it does, that's that's okay. And uh, that was just one thing. And then when he talked to me, he's like, hey, I think we might change up our core values again. At first, you're like, what? 
<laughs> I've had those for like five years. But then you're I like, put it off two days having that okay. conversation with you. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. You know? And that, and that's good. It's good. It's just shifting. It's just shifting the leadership and uh, and shifting. And I'm the biggest encourager. So so for those guys that are listening right now, that are trying to establish their core values, what exercise do you guys go through to identify? Because you guys are in flux. But Gary yeah. did do an exercise with you guys. Yeah, it was a great exercise. Loved it. So basically what he did is he took our um, – he basically um, had me write down, or he did it with me, Ronnie, and Randy. He had us take, uh, like, what are who are three people in your life that you just, you really admire, that you look up to, that have really kind of made an impact on your life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can't be your wife. Um, it can be it can be somebody you're like, there were a couple of stipulations in there and things. But then he basically said, write down three to seven traits that you really admire about them or like about them that, are, that you really stood out to you. And then basically from there, he had us, like, take, like, look through the list of all three of the people and the three to seven things and then basically kind of look at a sheet of core values that had like the top hundred core values from you know all businesses all over the world um and like basically kind of sum up those basically all those traits within the the three to seven things and really when you're doing that even though you're describing the those three people what you're really doing is describing yourself right what are the things that are really important to you and stuff Mm -hmm. and there were five that really jumped out on the sheet of like, Hey, these are Brian's core values. Mm. And, you know, he's like, Oh, why don't you take this one off? I'm like, no, that's important. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's why it's core. That, that, that's good. You passed the test. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a really good exercise and, and things too. And then kind of coming back to that hiring thing, you know, we talked about the personality test and stuff and he said, how do you make sure someone is like fits in with your team? And we were brainstorming and coming up with different ideas. Like, Oh, I would do this. And you could ask this question. He's like, guys, just, just do this exercise. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. This works. <laughs> well, that's it's funny. Cause that's actually in our interview. Uh, we, you know, who are the three people you admire yeah. most? What do you like about them? And that's mm-hmm. that's part of our inter- interviewing screening uh-huh. process. Mm-hmm. Wow! So, very interesting. Um, was there a book that you've gifted more than any other? Um, I think two really stand out. I'd say Traction and then Never Split the Difference. Yeah. Those are always the two that that I keep coming back to and have gifted, yeah, multiple times. So yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually gifted a book no one's probably heard of, but uh, it really helped me and I gave it to my brother and my dad and they started buying copies of it too. And it's a book called The True Measure of a Man. And it's a short book, highly, highly recommend it if you're in a season that I have gone through where mm-hmm. your identity's been attached to your business. Um, highly recommended that one. That's been a book. And one book that really, really changed my life earlier was uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. It was and the first book you gifted to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was just a great book because it really talked about how most millionaires are really just living next door mm-hmm. and they drive a Ford and you would never tell. Right. Uh, the guys driving the brand new Benzes are broke. <laughs> it's it's sad only because I remember you gave that presentation. I wrote down that book, The True Measure of a Man. Yeah. I haven't taken any action with it. <laughs> I have about 20 copies. I'm going to gift it to you. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, so I want you guys to think about a thought, something you want to leave the listeners with while I make a few quick announcements. So guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. That would really help us, help us with the algorithms so we can help more people. We'd have Cody Pirtle and Jared Graves coming in next week uh, from Houston, Texas. And again, we have our workshop next Saturday and Sunday. If you guys want to check that out, go to disruptors.com slash workshop. And then we do have Eric Brewer and the Brewer Method tomorrow. Where we're going to be talking about how he's using novations to just do more deals at larger volumes. It's really kind of crazy how that whole math works. That's solid stuff. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys want to check that out, again, disruptors.com slash workshop or brewermethod.com. So 
last thoughts? You know, just uh, based off this conversation, some things we talked about, I think it really is, it comes down to of like figuring out what that purpose is of what you what you kind of wanted. And Brett, uh, you know, we we meet all the time, and he's always asking me like, "Oh, what's your purpose? <laughs> like, what do you want to be doing?" And honestly, like, I'm one of those people that like I've always struggled with that because I've always just been kind of a people pleaser. I just you give me a task, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to probably do it better than a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. I just kind of I have to be given that kind of stuff. So it really takes a lot to kind of figure out like, hey, what is my purpose? What do I really want to be doing? Um, so I think coming into, you know, with whatever you're doing in business and whatever you're doing in real estate of kind of figuring out where your niche really is and what kind of really drives you and what motivates you and what do you feel, what do you feel that purpose from and just go after, go after that and tackle that. Gotcha. Before we go to you, Clay butted in here with a question. Uh, Brian and Brett, what would be the one thing you would change about your business looking back on things since you guys have been together? So start with you. Um, I think, um, just kind of chasing after the shiny object syndrome mm-hmm. instead of not, you know, not spending enough time to analyze stuff. And we were kind of talking about this last night of like kind of he, he bought a course one time and he called me on the phone and said, hey, we're, I'm, you know, I really think we should start doing this. Let's do it. And I said, hey, let's, you know, let's let's sit down. Let's have lunch next week and talk about it. Yeah. And then he called me the next day. And he's like, I bought it. I bought the big <laughs> package. <laughs> so like kind of like being like kind of upfront about like, hey, let's not let's not make any big decisions until it we're both on chief board. Either, though. He was like, it was like a chief course either. That one hurt a little bit. Yeah. So, Ooh, wow. um, so, yeah, I think really just kind of taking the time and have those, you know, really basically like kind of have the checks and balances of like, hey, before you do anything huge or before we do anything huge, let's let's make sure we're both on board before we do it. So. Yeah, my partner probably feels that way about me. <laughs> uh, so oh, anything, how would you answer Clay's question? Uh, my answer earlier would be uh, scale earlier, right? Because mm-hmm. for six or seven years, I was a one-man show. Uh, and then once we started building a team, uh, just wish that I, you know, would have probably went through this process a little bit earlier, had the courage to, to do it, yeah, to step out. So gotcha for me. And then what last thoughts do you want to leave the listeners with? Um, I'll leave you with this is, um, there's an author and a coach named Dan Sullivan. And I kind of went through this process when I, when I made this decision and he calls it the four C's. And so, and you can kind of do this with anything when you're going to make a big decision about anything is commit to it. Number one, you got to just go all in, commit to it. The second one is have courage, take a lot of courage to step out, take a lot of courage to step in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, same thing. The next one is once you get the courage, you get the capability. So you get the skills to do it. And then last is you get the confidence. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the steps I committed to stepping out. I had the courage to do it. It was not easy. Now I'm starting, I'm getting the capability. They're getting the skills to do it. And then now they're doing so well, it gives me confidence. Right. So yeah. Dan Sullivan's great. Uh, so I'm assuming you've gone through strategic coach. I haven't actually done that. I've read a lot of his books, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't gone through the actual programs. Yeah. Gone through. It's a pretty good program. Awesome. Yep. All right. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, I would just probably uh, shoot me an email. It's Brett, B-R-E-T-T at simplewholesaling.com. Same here. Just Brian at simplewholesaling.com. So. All right. Perfect. All right. Great show, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for flying appreciate in. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. All right. Appreciate awesome. it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah. See, we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Real estate disruptors. They cannot touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. 
We about to give you game. REI's flowing through my veins. And you don't have to look no further. See right here, you gon' learn everything. Shout out to Steve Train. Yeah, see we real estate disruptors. 